So, you know, in horror movies, when the girl's like, oh, my God, there's something in the basement. Let me just run down there in my underwear and see what's going on in the dark. And you're like, what is your problem? Call the police. And she's like, okay, but it's too late because she's already getting murdered. Well, uh, my story is kind of like that. We all feel better. We all feel better in the dark. In conclusion, if you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare, and then you got Jason, he's got an axe, got Kelly rolling, she's not saying, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby. Nightmare, baby. Flow. H-Y. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laughs. Wasn't no big thing, no one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base So they said, what the hell, let's continue the pace No stone uncovered, they will take on a topic Might bring on a guest, and together they rock it Cause they're in like Flint, two mices are cool If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson The best podcast out, hands down, it's set So in the club, in the car, if you're chilling in the park Welcome to another show of Better in the Dark Some women will just leave you, but some women, they might desire a couple of guys to come to your office, dismantle your surveillance cameras, to make it look like a robbery gone wrong. And until we get back in touch with you, go watch that movie. Right, Davin? Go watch that movie. Tom, get that side. Wait, wait, it's slipping off the table. Shit. Okay, let me just get my back into it. All right. Boy, that was a big one. And no, it's not what you're thinking. Get your minds out of the gut. Guys, I'm ashamed of you. I know what you were thinking. We are doing another Better in the Dark autopsy today, and without a doubt, this is the biggest, yeah. steamiest body we have ever attempted. Yeah, I was about to say pile of shit, but... Well, we'll get into that later on. But this autopsy is going to be a messy one. one. Yes. It's big. It's hot. It's steamy. It's all over the place, literally. Literally. That's why it took us so long to get this damn thing up on the table. Mm -hmm. And once again, he's Thomas DJ. And he's Derek Ferguson. And this is the Better in the Dark County Coroner's Office. (laughs) You visited here before. Yes, you know what's going on. Where we take a person or a movie or a genre and we put it up on the autopsy table and by careful clinical analysis we try to figure out where the hell it went wrong (laughs) and what killed it and why it died and could anything have been done to save it 
My um, guess in this case, uh, no. I think you're right. In the past, we've done memorable autopsies on um, DC comic book movies. Yeah. On the Human Target. Yeah. On Torchwood, Miracle Day. Yeah. And this time, we're taking our most ambitious case ever. The 2012 broadcast television season. Yeah. All of it. As much of it as we can in a reasonable amount of time. And we're just doing this because during the course of our conversations that we've had with me and Tom and Tom with other people Mm -hmm. and me with other people, it seems that there has been a general, what's the word I'm looking for, malaise? Yeah. Well, as you know, Derek and I talk about once, twice a week, even when we're not recording. And at one point, I forget who said it to the other one, the statement was made, is it just me or is this the stinkiest TV season in a long, long time? Yeah. There's really not anything this year I could point to that I could say stands out and mm-hmm. made me say, wow, I got to see. As a matter of fact, there's been a lot of shows I have cut from my DVR yeah. season pass. House. If you had told me a couple of years ago that I would cut House. The only reason I'm still sticking with House is because it's over. Well, yeah, well, this is the last season, exactly. right? Yeah. And when I found out. That yeah. it was the last year. I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to put it back on just so I can... Hopefully, they can bring it to a satisfying conclusion. I, I don't somehow think so. doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. The acrobatics they had to do to get this season to work. Yeah. And I put work in quotation marks. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Wilson's even right. the House Wilson friendship doesn't even ring true anymore. It, past seasons, it felt like a real right. friendship. For some reason, this season, I don't... Nah. Sorry about that, guys. It was just Patricia, Derek's wife, has provided us some lovely cold-cut sandwiches for lunch, which we are inviting in. Which he is partaking of. Yes. Me? I'm sticking to business. See, I want to rag on it. No, I don't even want to rag on it. TV had gotten so much better in the last yeah. couple of years, which I think everybody and we, can we agree on. we talked about it in previous episodes of Better in the Dark, and then this season comes along. Yeah, with a bunch of really rotten shows. Awful TV shows mm-hmm. that we've talked about, but we're going to get into. Okay, let me open up that stinky can of bangers and mash known as House. Okay. Let's go into a little bit about why this, which used to be our favorite show, is now one that we're holding at arm's length. Yeah. It just stopped being fun. It stopped being interesting. Yeah. Well, I've said this many times before, and I will stick by it. The perfect series ending mm-hmm. was season five when it had that really wonderful ending where Wilson took House to the rubber room remodel. with that last shot of him standing in the doorway looking back at him before he got Right. Dressed. And it was intercut with scenes of yeah. Chase and Cameron getting married mm-hmm. and we had Cuddy with her baby. We saw everybody who House had put through such hell they were happy right. and they were going on with their lives and he was where he needed to be in a nut house. That was it. How should it end it right there? I was a little bit more forgiving. I think six was also a decent. But six was decent. Yes, I was. It was a decent season. Five would have made the perfect ending, but six, there wasn't anything. Seven is where it went totally off the rails. It went so far south, it wasn't funny. It was something where they finally decided to make House and Cuddy a couple. That was the paper was a decent idea, because I remember our good friend Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kalen, our musical director. Our musical director, yep. Getting a little nervous when they decided to pull the trigger on that. And I said, just imagine, who are the two people you think are the least able to have a normal relationship? House and Cuddy. Right. That's why I was excited about it. But they whipped out. I wasn't excited about it. I was content with the idea that they had had a relationship in the past and it didn't work then. Right. So I always imagined that they had made a pact 
we're never going to do this again because right. it's going to destroy the two of us. Which, as we see, it did. It did, yeah. They're both intelligent people. Flawed, yes. Right. Maybe a little bit disturbed, okay. But they're intelligent enough to know that we can never go back and do this again. Right. Even though that attraction is still there. And when they had that unforgivable thing where House drove the car through. See, that crossed the line yeah. there. No, I mean, as far yeah. as I was concerned. By that point, though, it had already... Stop being a show which was a mystery movie, only it was a medical disease that was the killer. And it's, it was already at that point firmly in the what's wacky Greg House gonna do this week? It became a soap opera. Yeah. House was at his best where it was a Sherlock Holmes mystery yeah. with, of course, House of Sherlock Holmes, Wilson as Watson. Mm -hmm. The rest of them as the Baker Street Irregulars, mm -hmm. which is what they were. And whatever disease it was, was the criminal that right. had to be caught. When House stuck to that, boom. And I was even willing to forgive them after that awful season ending of season seven. Mm -hmm. But what they needed to have done is what they did when they felt they were in a rut at the end of season three. They totally overhauled the cast, if you remember. Oh, that was the reality three. show. The, that was, yeah. That right, was the reality got, show season. <laughs> we, got, we got the new crew. We got right. team. We got and thirteen. We got Halb, and we got... Amber. And, and all of them, yeah. Yeah. And we had this whole brand new dynamic. But no, that, and it looked like for a while, because they introduced that one character played by Charlene Yee, mm -hmm. and in comes Odette Usman. Mm -hmm. Well, no, now she's called Annabelle. I guess she got married between Cloverfield and now. Okay. Shows up as another character. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so they're slowly creating a new team, and they're going to try to revitalize the show that way. Mm -hmm. But no, Chase comes back. Chase comes back, yeah. The whole weird and acrobatics. I think, and I think they've gotten all the juice that you can yeah. get out of the Tao relationship yeah. with... The Omar Epps character. Omar Epps character, right. I think they've squeezed all the juice yeah. that they can out of... They tried making them the odd couple right. at one time. We've got it. We're there. We're done. And you would think that making the Omar Epps character House's boss... Right. ...would generate some more... But it's as dull as dishwater. First off, the acrobatics they had to do to set that up... Yeah. ...was, I think, unforgivable. They should have just created a new character. They should have done an entire top-to-bottom redesign. You know who they should have did? They should have brought back the Chi McBride character. Yeah, or... And put him in charge of the hospital. Mm -hmm. Or somebody who wasn't already part of that circuit. Because, let's The only character who should have carried over between Season 7 and Season 8 was Wilson. Wilson should always stay yeah. there, no matter what they do to the rest of the cast. But when they put the Omar in charge of the hospital, but what's really changed? How still runs around yeah. doing whatever he wants to do, mm -hmm. and he lets them. Nothing has changed. You would figure that this hospital is going to be run right. Yeah. But then again, as we found out in seasons past, he's unhirable because as people right. say, he's house light. He's become mm -hmm. infected. So <laughs> I just don't see the point yeah. of making him house's boss unless you're really going to go all the way with it. Right. There goes your man, Savanguli. Hey! Wait a minute, he's going to show up again. There he is! Yeah. Yes! He's doing Green, or a green Hornet. Yeah, the Green Hornet Marathon tomorrow. So, the only reason I'm sticking around is because they've announced it's over. Right now, of all the shows that I'm taping, mm -hmm. um, I'm still following Hawaii Five-0. Yeah. Which is still interesting me, even though I think this season has not been as good as last season. No, it hasn't been, no. As we were talking about in yeah. the earlier episode, which you will yeah. hear before this... It's become a little bit more high tech with right. the massive Masioka. Oka character becoming. Although I'm glad to see him right. because he was one of the few bright points in otherwise dismal and mess 
their heroes there became. There was that weird tendency of them bringing in new characters, having them last for a while so you figure they're going to stick around, and then removing them. Yeah. The whole thing with having Terry O'Quinn around. Terry O'Quinn, having right. Having somebody who actually makes McGarrett, McGarrett feel humble. Yeah. Was a great idea. Because yeah. he needs that once in a while. Having somebody who actually makes McGarrett feel like he's not in control mm-hmm. was great. Having that lore character mm-hmm. was an interesting introduction. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's bring them in, they let them hang around for about ten episodes, and then they ship them off. Right. And then there was, of course, The Office, where we started off with great promise of James Bader coming James in to Bader, everybody. Yeah. Apparently James Bader wasn't happy with the show either, because no. he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he left. Catherine Tate. Mm-hmm. Is coming in there now to take his place. Now, if it was Captain Tate playing Donna Noble, I would watch the show. I'll still watch it anyway. I'm going to watch it for the same reason I watched it when James Spader was mm-hmm. in there because I like Catherine right. Tate. I can't stand the office anyway, but yeah. at least they're bringing on guest stars yeah. that at least is keeping me interested in there, watching it. There's an excellent podcast that is done through the Grantland Network called The Hollywood Perspectives. It comes out every Tuesday. Okay. And there's two hosts of the show. They're particularly fond of the, the Office, but they say that the problem with the Office is they keep adding new characters to kind of refresh the pop. But nobody's leaving, so Patton Mifflin must be some sort of weird organized crime slush fund. Mm-hmm. With the way they just keep hiring people and hiring people and hiring people. And in fact, it's one of the most cast heavy. I honestly can't remember a TV show that had this many regular cast yeah. members. Outside of Hill Street Blues. But Hill Street Blues was an hour-long drama series. Yeah, this is a half-hour show, and I think mm-hmm. they've got like a dozen regular yeah. characters on there now. I can't even keep track of everybody. No. I watched it for about six episodes. In the first two or three episodes, where we got the idea that the James Bader character, Robert mm-hmm. California, was looking at this as almost like a social experiment. It's like, look, i got my own little ant colony. Yeah, there's lab rats. Hey, ant colony, I'm shaking you up to yeah. see what you do. Yeah, and he's just doing shit just to see how they react. Right, like the episode you love about him making the two lists. Oh, that was terrific. That was brilliant. Yeah. You know? and, and he wouldn't tell them what the two lists yeah. were for until the end. And I think you hit it right on the head that Ed Helms is not as charismatic a person as Steve Carell was. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to build around him, even though Carell was a pretty weird and monstrous character. Are you kidding me? No. I like the Ed Helms character better than okay. Steve Car- Steve Carell character, even though I like Steve Carell, mm-hmm. the character he plays actually frightens me. Okay. That character for I'm him... I'm sorry, I'm going to listen to somebody else I was talking no, to. No, no, no. Ed Helms, I like his character a lot better. That's mm-hmm. a guy, okay, I can understand him. I can get a handle on him. Michael Scott, to me, was psychotic. Yeah. That man should have been in an institution. He had no business mm-hmm. interacting with human beings on any sort of level. Him and that Dwight Schrute freak. Oh, you know. Dwight is such a... Uh, He's the type of person that cannot exist in real life. Nah, somebody would have took him out long ago. Yeah, you know. he would have been fired a long time. Fired? He'd have been had his ass beaten yeah. in the death in, in a parking lot, even for a comedy. And you know me, I'm a much more forgiving guy than you. Mm-hmm. I give a lot of leeway for situation comedies. Right. But even for a situation comedy, these are characters that I'm sorry. And maybe it's the way the show is struck. Right. But I can't even say that because Parks and Recreation has got that same format mm-hmm. of the interviewing. And that's hilarious. The Office, those characters, there's something wrong with those people. Yeah. But again, yeah, as you and I have talked about in the past, I'm not much of a sitcom watcher. The only sitcom that I've watched straight through is Modern Family. Which is consistently brilliant. Oh, did you see the last episode that they had? Which one? Ellen Barkin! Oh, yes! That's right. Ellen Barkin is the evil real estater. I'm like, really? Is that who I think it is? See, Ellen Barkin doesn't even... She's so hot, she doesn't even get a... She gets a... (laughs) That's 
Yeah. Ellen, you remember during the 80s? Yes, I remember. When she was like... But she's going to be a regular okay. on the show, or semi-regular, whatever. Right. But yeah, Modern Family, consistently. The other... One, one of the most hilarious, and thank you for turning yes. me on to it, because I had never watched it until you kept going yeah. on and on about it. The first episode I saw, I was hooked. The so. other sitcom that carried over from last year that I watched, believe it or not, was Breaking In, which recently came back. Oh, okay. But With they, Christian Slater. It's Christian Slater plays the head of a security firm that, in the first season, recruited Brett Harrison, who was very good in Reaper, mm-hmm. which was another show that had a great first season, and then the second season just went off the rails. Okay. It has a computer expert. It's a workplace sitcom, and mm-hmm. the, every week they have a new client they have to do a task for. It's like a low-rent sneakers. Yeah. Exactly. Remember that movie with Robert Redford? Yeah. yeah. So the first season was just Christian Slater and Brett Harrison, and he has a sidekick who's a real nerd character. There's the hot chick who is this daughter of a safe cracker, so she's inherited his skills. Mm-hmm. And she's in love with, of all people, Michael Rosenbaum. I didn't realize it was Michael Rosenbaum. Because he has hair. He has hair. He and, has hair, yeah. And there's a little like love triangle between the hot chick and Brett Harrison and Michael Rosenbaum. And it was okay for what it was. It had its moments where I, I gritted my teeth and went oh you suck mm-hmm. but otherwise I was able to coast through it this season they've messed with the format again Megan Mullally who buys Contra Security okay let me ask you something what is it with Megan Mullally that ever you know she's since, not funny because since they think a show yeah. needs saving they gotta yeah. bring her on there they brought her on Parks and Recreation for mm-hmm. a while and there was another show they brought her on for a while up all night what do you think that Megan Mullally saves her she's not funny people loved her on Will and Grace that's the only thing I can think of. Well, I never watched Will. Well, she buys Contra Security. She's the new boss. She has a hot, chicky British girl who's this nerdy assistant of hers that she voices most of the bad stuff on. Right. Well, why else have an assistant? It's, it's terrible. Michael Rosenbaum was nowhere to be seen. And Michael Rosenbaum was very funny in the first season. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to reassert the triangle with Brett Harrison, the old hot chick, and the new hot chick. Okay. And it's just unfunny on every level now. At least there were some mild laughs in the first season. Yeah, I watched it on and off mm-hmm. just because it was Christian Slater. Yeah. And I've loved Christian Slater ever since I've seen him in a very little known movie that a lot of people haven't seen but they should call Cuffs. So most people know him from Heathers, but I right. had seen him in this movie Cuffs before right. that. But yeah, that's why I watched it. And like you, I was like, okay, this is mildly amusing. It's right. not something I think I'll watch every week. Christian right. Slater, I'm sorry, but if I wasn't doing anything else and it was on, I would watch it. Yeah. It's not something that said, oh man, I gotta see this every yeah. week. I'm sorry. My time is valuable. And unless it's something that really, really interests me and I really want to see yeah. it every week, I gotta cut it loose. Which is what I find myself doing a lot this season. New Girl. Remember I was going on and on about New, New Girl. You know what? I cut New Girl because as cute as a button as she is and how much I love Derek, her. how much do I adore Zoe Deschanel? I cannot invest in show just to ogle Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. You've known me for a long time. How much do I adore Zoe Deschanel? You would. Adore her the way you adored that sandwich you just ate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I guess I should have... And I love her too. Yeah, I, I, I guess I should have noticed the problem when I saw the ad campaign, which basically was, hey, look, Zoe Deschanel. Every week, yeah. On network TV. You like Zoe Deschanel. We are going to give it to you. Yeah. I think you got longer than I did. I stopped I went, after yeah. two episodes. I made it through nine episodes. Mm-hmm. I think after that, I said, I've got enough of Zoe Deschanel. Right. My problem with the show is that Zoe Deschanel is such a helpless doll baby in that show. She is so totally, absolutely without any sort of social skills 
to deal with the reality outside her door. Well, there is no reality. That she has to constantly be saved by her three big brother roommate guys. Well, see, you didn't see enough of those episodes. That's what I'm saying. After three, they had some episodes where she was saving them. Like the one where she had to go to this guy's prom and make like she was his girlfriend. Now she's in a relationship with Justin Long now. And they've got the guy Schmidt is in a relationship with with the hot hot supermodel. Okay, that's all well and good. But still, the show exists in a bubble where it's just these characters and apparently nobody else in the world Mm -hmm. except for plot devices when they need to bring in somebody. Like, when she had to teach the bells... You yeah. ever see where people take the bells and yeah. they'll ring the like start? Right. Zooey Deschanel had these homeless kids or orphans. I don't know what that fuck it was, but it was a bunch of kids she had. And they were characters. They were just a plot device. Because, well, you know what would be cute? If she was teaching a bunch yeah. of bell yeah. ringers. No right. artifice. And it's one of the reasons why I couldn't get past the pilot of Whitney. Okay. Even though, once again, the advertising was the same thing. Hey, look, hot chick. And I admit that. But then again, I have had a little bit more familiarity with Whitney Cummings right. than you because I've seen her on the comedy and channel roast. She's hilarious. And I saw one of her stand-ups. Her stand-ups is hilarious. The sitcom is not. And apparently, she not only is on this sitcom, mm. she's a showrunner on another show on another network. Yeah, Two Broke Girls. She created that one and she's a showrunner, yeah. Well, that explains why I couldn't get past the first episode of Two Broke Girls. I watched three episodes of Two Broke Girls, and I said this isn't worth it. I mean, you know, once again, Kat Denning. Wicked cute. Yeah. But I just wanted to punch the both of them repeatedly. Yeah. This is a show that... But then Two Broke Girls wasn't made for you and me. No, Two it's broke, not. Yeah. Two yeah. Broke Girls, like all of CBS's sitcoms, are designed for the flyover people. Right. To convince them that they were right in staying in Iowa and Nebraska. And we want to apologize. We don't mean you guys, obviously, if you of our fans who mm-hmm. live in ne- 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 Iowa, ne- Nebraska and Iowa and South Dakota and all of them. But these middle-aged to old-age guys who regret living there lives in the flyover countries and this is their hey look everybody in new york and everybody in in la is crazy and insane and it's a look at the monkey house sort of see you i see where you're going you put too much thought into it me i just think it's the studios Mm -hmm. let's just throw anything up on the screen and see what think i give you more credit than they do because i don't think they think that deep let me put it that way i think you give them too much credit for thinking i don't think they even think that deep i think they just say okay we don't know what works or what's happening, and we got HBO to compete with, and we got this to compete right. with, and we got... Let's just throw anything up there and see what sticks. And if it sticks and it works... But CBS has a formula. CBS, which is the most oh, successful yeah. of the three networks right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have that formula down pat. Yeah. The oh, CBS I... show, their, their sitcoms, and also their detective shows, their drama shows, are oh, yeah. also very rigidly codified. In fact, one of the very few shows I've been following from beginning to end so far is a show that seems to kind of break with that a little bit, which is Person of Interest. Yeah, now Person of Interest... I've been watching that from first episode every week. I love that show. Yeah. yeah. Where it's got this kind of pulp. Well, I got it right. It's, it's Operator X. It's Operator kind of, 5. Operator 5. It's this it's kind of... Secret Agent X okay. at Operator 5. At a partridge in a pear tree. It's got this really great <laughs> pulpy feel to it. There's this... Excellent, excellent chemistry between Jim Caviezel and Michael Emerson. Oh, yeah. Two of the most unlikely people you'd expect to put in the same room, and yet well, they work. Well, that's it. That's how yeah. it works. It's a marvelously pulpy thing. And more importantly, it seems to be going somewhere. Yeah. I was watching an episode, and it occurred to me all of a sudden that they set up these three chase villains throughout the first half of the season. Right. You have Elias, who is played by one of my favorite actors, Enrico Calantoni. Yeah. Who is trying to reunify all the organized crime families in And New that York. was a brilliant episode. 
episode yeah. where they were on the run, and then you find out at the end there's a twist in the yeah. last ten minutes that you. I, I was like, this. yeah. Holy shit, because you really didn't see that coming. So you have Elias, mm-hmm. you have HR, which mm-hmm. is this string of corrupt cops. Yeah. And you have Root. Root, the who female is, hacker. Uh, who no- <laughs> you made very clear that these are all related. They're, they're, they're beginning way. to dovetail. Like, there's that one episode where he's trying to protect the undercover cop. The cop is undercover with the smuggling operation. Right. And all of a sudden it occurs to them, wait a minute, they don't have the resources to put this kind of operation together. They don't together. have to put it together. So what, and that's when he yeah. gets the phone call mm-hmm. and it's Elias on the other end going, Hello. I just want to you know, I'm keeping an eye on you. Yeah. I'm still out here fucking with and, you. <laughs> which you is this, what that was. I'm still and you fucking with you. definitely get the sense that Jonathan Nolan knows where he's going at the end of this it's season. It's definitely going someplace. And, and also, it's not in a steady state. It's in a a constantly evolving state. So you had the Tajari P. Henson character. Yeah, joined the team. Yeah, because finally meeting the people. And right. He- Logically, that's where it right. has to go because you if, can't have her because if you continue to have her being confounded, she ceases to be a credible threat. Right? Because then, uh, well, apparently she's too stupid to do yeah. her job if she can't ever get close to them. Mm-hmm. And then also, you can't leave her character hanging out there in limbo where she never catches them. That would get old very quickly. And I applaud them for having the courage to let's make her yeah. part of the crew, make her part of the team. Now, what does that mean for the other guy, the once crooked Lionel. cop? Is he still? Well, that's why yeah, he's yeah, going yeah. under. That's yeah, why. Yeah. Yeah. Caviezel sends him underground. Yeah. I mean, I like that. Unlike, let's say, Unbelievable, which I gave... Not Unbelievable. Unforgettable? <laughs> Thank you. It should have been called Unbelievable. <laughs> which I think I lasted two episodes with. That's the girl with the perfect the memory. with the perfect memory. Yeah. It's just the same old kind of formula that they've established for all their other cop shows. And then you've got, when you go over to NBC, where they're just desperate and they're trying anything they possibly yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. I lasted till almost the end with Prime Suspect. Only because, yeah. A, I like Marie. Maria Bello, and B, there was this kind of car accident attraction to it. But I give NBC credit. They They tried. They tried. They stood behind their product, and they said, okay, well, we're trying to give it a chance, and they did. They gave it a decent chance. Yeah. I can't blame them for it. I blame the public who didn't get behind this show Mm -hmm. and stick with it, because it deserved to go on longer than what it did. The problem with the show was, right there from the very start, if it was about... Maria Bello in the stupid Mooley hat, busting criminals. Right, and left out the complete family drama. But all the bullshit about the fiancé and the ex-wife and the kid and the partner who doesn't like her because she took... You know, the other partner's place, place and, and the fact that. that she had the affair with the guy. And the, don't give me that. You sold the show on. This is your next great TV show character, right? Let's see her doing her job. This is the next Kojak. This right. is the next Columbo. Vince. Did we ever see Columbo's home life? Yeah, no. no. Did we care? No. Did no. we ever see Kojak's home life? No. no. Did we care? I'm convinced no. that's why they gave her the Mooley hat was to give her that this sh- hat. Give it a rest. <laughs> give her, but no. But the thing is. They gave her the, mo- the you Mooley You win this hat. They gave her the Mooley hat. Has I don't shit. want to hear about the hat anymore. It was going to be her version of the lollipop or... <laughs> oh, oh, the trench coat. And the trench coat. Exactly. And, and, oh, that okay. was, that's why I bring up the Mooley hat. Oh, well, see, now you explained it. Oh, yes. okay. And now, put in that context, I give you leave to talk about the hat. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. but they I'm, tried. They tried their best. I think they, they let it run 13 episodes. McGarrett. Did we ever see McGarrett's whole no. life? On the original... What? No, no, here we see his father and his sister and his surrogate father. Uh, 
I don't care. It's the same thing with the one comedy that halfway interests me that I was telling you about up all night that I started watching because it had Christina Applegate, who right. we both love, and it had Maya Rudolph, who I love. The other guy, Will, whatever his name, Will, who was from Arrested Development. I've never understood why he's supposed to be so hilarious. Mm -hmm. But this show is so schizophrenic. When they're doing the part of the show, that female version of the Larry Sanders yeah. show, whereas Christina Applegate having to babysit and safeguard the yeah. ego of but talk Maya show host Maya Rudolph, it's a hilarious show. Once we get to her house when she's dealing with the baby and Will mm -hmm. Arnett, it's not funny anymore. Because right. I don't care. I want to go back to the funny part right. with them in the studio and her dealing with mm -hmm. this nut job. That's what I want to see. They can't decide... Well, which is it going to be? They try to have it both ways, and as a yeah. consequence, it ends up being nothing. Just the same exactly. thing with Prime Suspect. One of the few shows also I've been following pretty much from when it started till now has been Smash. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people hate that show. I didn't even start watching it. But here's the thing. Smash knows what it is. What is it supposed to be about, anyway? Give okay. us a little background. I'll give you a little background. For those who haven't watched it, so we know. Okay. It, it looked like a grown-up fame to me, which is... Not that far off. It's about a lyricist composer team mm. who work on Broadway musicals. They <clears> come <throat> up with the idea of doing a musical based on Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Not a bad idea. Okay. So it starts with the premise of following the creation of this musical from the very beginning to, I assume, its Broadway debut. There are a couple of characters they're focusing on. The composer and lyricist, one of which is played by Deborah Messing. <laughs> I agree there. Although, Deborah Messing is one of those actresses I really like, but mm -hmm. I can't stand her choice of projects, usually. This yeah, is only the yeah. second thing that I've ever been able to watch. Yeah, her. usually she hasn't had much luck with... There's Angelica Houston playing the person who's going to back the musical. Okay. There's this British director guy who has had heat with the composer in the past. And there are two firing actors. One is a longtime Broadway player mm -hmm. played by uh, Megan Hilty. Okay. And I give this show so much credit for casting as one of its two major female leads. Mm -hmm. A woman who is short, <clears throat> kind of heavy set, mm -hmm. but curvy, and treats her as a sexy human being. And the other one is an Iowa farm girl mm -hmm. who is a struggling actress slash waitress played by Catherine McPhee. And as you and I have discussed recently, I think Catherine McPhee is a little bit of alright. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... I go along with that. I think the statement I made in one of my uh, ten statements about how I would watch her do her taxes yeah. uh, kind of sums it up. Did say that. Yes. <laughs> so, they're following this thing about who's going to be the Marilyn in the show. No, okay. And it doesn't have any pretensions of what it is. Mm -hmm. It is a soap opera. It is a late 90s style soap opera where things are over the top and mm -hmm. things are ridiculous and things are stupid. Okay. And it's watching pretty people do stupid things. That's why I like it. Because I haven't had that kind of a, a stupid pretty people doing a stupid thing show. It doesn't have any pretensions. It's Melrose Place. It doesn't have any pretensions about yeah. itself. It knows what it is and it doesn't yeah. apologize for it. Okay, cool. See, I haven't watched it. I didn't start watching it. I said, let me see it. Get some feedback. <laughs> There are some weird things, like there's at least one musical number in every episode, and let's be honest here, the music is not very good. They can't decide if the musical numbers are fantasy elements mm -hmm. or not. There's one moment in the most recent episode, Megan Hilty, who plays Ivy, who presently has the role of Marilyn Monroe, is taking a certain drug to get her over damaged vocal cords. Okay. And she starts hallucinating. And mm -hmm. as she hallucinates, she's singing a song, but they don't convey correctly whether she's singing the song to test her vocal cords or if she's having a hallucination. 
that, okay. It doesn't help that she ends up by looking in the mirror and there's Catherine McPhee dressed up like Marilyn mocking her. I don't think it's going to last very long because the, the yeah. ratings have been awful. Well, a show like that, logically, you have to take it through the whole, pro- mm. which is what it should be about. They should take a year and do it through the whole production of this show. Yeah. And get to the end at the show, and we see who becomes Marilyn Howell. And then, and the, then, and then the next season, season it's a they new, start with a whole new set of characters. Which brings me to my point about why I've fallen off of Glee. I used to love Glee, mm-hmm. but see, what they should have did, I think it's going on its fifth year yeah. now or so. What they should have did was that, just like in high school, we follow this set of kids through That's their years. That's what they years. did in the, in the Fame TV show. Yes! You follow these kids through the four years, mm-hmm. and then you get rid of them, and right. if the show, so you bring in a whole new set of kids. You leave the teachers, however, now here's the problem. Fame has fallen victim to what you pointed out was the problem with heroes, in that they didn't stick to what the original concept was right. supposed to be, it's that people it. were supposed to die, and they yeah. bring in new characters, so we were stuck with these same characters, and they never changed. Now Glee has got the same problem. Because now we've got these kids who should be out of high school already, and it's not going anywhere. And it's not become about the high school anymore. It's all become just about the musical numbers. Right. Which is all I watch Glee for now anyway. I'll be sitting here and I have the volume turned down. Then when I hear the music start, oh, okay, well, let me watch the musical number. Glee is one of those few rare things that you and I, as fans of acapella music, get a chance to hear some acapella music on television. Everybody on there can sing. Jane Lynch is still wonderful, delightful. But that's about the only reason that I I no longer care about the Mm. the alleged storylines of what go on. They bring in characters just out of left field. They throw them away. Well, he transferred to the school. But then two weeks later, they bring them back. That don't happen when right. people transfer in and out of school at the drop of exactly. a hat. Let's say I woke up and found myself a producer of Smash. It looks like from the way they're going, Catherine McPhee is going to end up being the star of the show. Okay. If I got a second season commitment, I would start over but have Megan Hilty. Carry Megan Hilty over and have her be the central character of the next season. Right. Maybe introduce a third female character to compete with her. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, if there's a third season, have that person. So there's still a continuity but, you but know, it's a new thing every year. But you know what happens, Tom? And it was the thing that frustrated me and you so much about Heroes. Right. The people that were on the show initially, they became stars. Yeah. And the network was so scared that if they changed the cast, that right. the ratings would go down. That they said, oh, don't get rid of anybody. Keep them there. Because, okay, the ratings And I'll tell you the truth. I haven't even bothered looking at the new Tim Kring show. Touch. Oh, neither have I. Nah, not interested. It looks like it's really, really bad, and everybody I've talked to who's seen it has said it's really bad. Well, like me, you said we first heard about it. We saw this when yeah. it was the knowing. Movie. We saw it when, saw it when it was knowing, and we didn't like it then. Why did they think that we would like it now? Even with Kiefer Sutherland. Mm. If Kiefer Sutherland wants to do something for me, let him either come back and do another season of 24 or go make a 24 yeah. movie. If this theme pile of excrement, nah, you can keep it. Now, on the subject of throwing anything at the wall and hoping it sticks, The River. Oh, God, The River. It's interesting. They're still trying to do these kind of shows that are supposed to appeal to us geeky audience types. But The River, I I don't know. Have you been watching The River? I watched the first two episodes and that was it. I watched four episodes because they've got an initial eight uh, eight episodes. Now, now, Derek... I think what I'm going to do, and I'm doing yes. this because of our good friend, Mark Busquette, okay. who likes the show, and you've read his review yes, I did. on the Better Than the Dog Facebook page, yes. and in his own blog, Atomic Anxiety. If the show was about the teenage girl who doesn't know any English, who's yeah. the medium, and her father, okay. thumbs up. Okay. Problem is, there's all these other things that are supposed to be characters, 
mm-hmm. surrounding them. Okay, here's my main beef with the show. Okay. As Mark likes it a little bit more than I do. Right. Well, since it's only eight episodes, I'm willing to give it a chance for right. the first eight and see where it goes. There's no reason for it to be told as a found footage show. Yeah, I have a friend, my friend Dawn, Dawn Barron. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're listening, Dawn, but hello. Hello, Dawn. She mentioned that she found the found footage angle helps draw her into the show. She likes the show better than I think any of the people that we've mentioned. Okay. Right and she finds that it draws her into the show. Mm. I find that it holds me that it is. Yeah, because there's no reason for it to be like And then what's even more disturbing... Okay, you want to know when the found footage was even more disturbing? Yeah. And how it pulled me out of the story? I don't know if you saw this episode. It's the episode with the crew of the ship, the Magus. They start going blind. Okay, I haven't seen that episode. Okay, yet. and what happens is that there's a mushroom that they can find that will cure their blindness. Now, right. what happens is that the cameraman abandons them. Of course, it's got to be the black guy. Of course, because that's what us black people do. We cut and run at the first sign of trouble. But he decides to abandon. As opposed to the black woman who goes, I ain't leaving. Yeah, right? <laughs> he takes off. I guess we're supposed to believe that as he's going through the jungle, he's holding the camera in front yeah. of his face and he's recording what he's saying even as he's going through the jungle. Right. And then he stumbles across the tree. Right. And he decides to climb up under the tree mm-hmm. because that's where the mushrooms are. And he goes up under there. What did he do? Take the camera with him up under the tree? That's when I said, okay, I'm done. I'm through. Yeah. And I don't even know how that episode ended because at that point I was so disgusted. I deleted it yeah. from my DVR and I just picked it up next week mm-hmm. because I said, well, I can see where this is going. I don't understand why it had to be told in found footage. I think I would like it a lot better if they just told it as a straight right. mystery drama or whatever this is supposed to be. And I don't think that this is going to be much of an ongoing series. For my final take on the river, I am so sick and tired of them. But I think that the networks have come to the conclusion they're not going to be able to convince us that they can create another loss. Yeah. And they have given up on it. Because yeah. remember, we had all those shows like The yeah. Nine and Daybreak. I don't and know. I mean, it seemed like Fox was really trying to push Terra Nova as something for us geeky guys and girls. When it comes to dinosaurs, they're about 10 years too late. Yeah. Big. Well, once again, I got as far as the pilot and the, the second episode. It goes back to what you said. Terra Nova had the same damn problem as Prime Suspect. Yeah. Because we don't care about the shit with the yeah, family. Exactly. And drama. We want to see people riding dinosaurs. Exactly. And fighting dinosaurs. I'm back at dinosaurs in the head. I want to see a guy riding, and, uh, more importantly, we want to see people get at. Yeah. We want to see people get at by dinosaurs. We want to see people riding triceratops. We want to see T-Rexes fighting brontosauruses. We had... Oh, the thing was, it's like they kept piling. I don't care that the father and son don't yeah. Get along. I don't care. As a matter of fact, if you're stuck in that situation, you patch up your differences pretty yeah. damn quick. Exactly. Oh, and the way they kept trying to pile on mystery upon mystery is, well, it's an alternative universe. It's not really our past. Yeah. And the thing about, was it Colony 5 or whatever, the colony that broke away? Mm-hmm. And it's sad because, as you know, Stephen Lang was on that show. And Stephen and Lang, Lang was, the, he was the best yeah. thing. Him and the guy, what was his name? Jason, whatever, from Life on Mars. Yeah. Another good show yeah. that got axed too quickly, mm-hmm. but I liked it a lot while but I was on. But on the other hand, I do think, I don't think you've watched it yet. What's that? I've actually been rather interested in it. Alcatraz. No, I haven't watched Alcatraz. Okay, I think the reason why Alcatraz works is that J.J. Abrams, who of course created Lost in the first place and Mm. must still be stinging from the problems Lost had, has kind of done this thing where there's two layers on the show. You get about... Five ten minutes of actual mythology building. And okay. There's actually three layers. The premise is that Talcatraz closed down in 1963. Right. As Sam Neill says at the beginning of every episode, prisoners were transferred to other facilities. 
Okay. But that's not what happened. Not at all. Yeah, and if you're going to have Sam Neill, why not yeah. use his voice? You so, don't hire Sam Neill and in don't 1963, 300-some-odd prisoners and guards disappear from Alcatraz completely overnight. The first episode opens with the character who's going to grow up to be Robert Foster and another guard who's going to grow up to be Sam Neill mm-hmm. arriving and realizing that there's nobody there. Nobody there, okay. Cut to the modern day. Robert Foster's foster daughter... Mm-hmm. Played by Sarah Jones, a very attractive young lady who has some really weird fashion choices. Okay. <laughs> who is now a San Francisco police detective. Suddenly, these prisoners are coming back. They're showing up looking like they did in 1963. Some of them are just going about renewing their criminal licenses, if you will. Well, what else do they know what to do? Some of them, though, seem to have some sort of other agenda. Agenda, okay. In the second hour, there was a character who was a sharpshooter, free killer. Mm-hmm. And in addition to going around and killing people at random with his rifle, he apparently was coerced into trying to kill one of the major members of the cast, who is the wife mm-hmm. of Sam Neill, an Indian psychologist who, oddly enough, looks like she does in 1963 because we've seen her because they have flashbacks. Right. To 1963, and we, as each criminal is introduced, we learn his backstory through flashback. The thing that I think is interesting about the show is that we get some mythology building every week, mm-hmm. but more, but we also get a done-in-one, freak-of-the-week detective story. Det- okay. Where, well, presumably, they're tracking down one of yeah, these recovery. Where Sarah Jones and Hurley from Lost, playing a history professor slash comic book artist slash comic book store owner, are tracking down one of the, as they call them, the 63s, mm-hmm. and then you get, at the end, a little bit with Sam Neill, who is running the task force that's trying to figure out what's going on. I think it works because if you, like me, don't really care about the mythology building, I can ignore that part and just watch it as a cute girl and a big fat guy trying to catch criminals. The only thing that would probably get me to watch that probably... Mm-hmm would interest me outside of Sam Neill yeah. who I like who is another great great man mm-hmm. criminals probably would be the perfect people to send them to another time period yeah. because they're used to living on the fringes of society mm-hmm. anyway and yeah. they, like a straight person like me or you if they said done 50 years in the future that's one of the cool things about the show is that they seem to really integrate pretty well in society. Yeah, yeah, they're crooks. So they're used to living on the fringe yeah. of society anyway. Like there was so a, it probably wouldn't freak them out that much. It would yeah. be like a little bit, but then they would think, okay, well, and see, criminals think of the basic. Okay, I need money, I need mm-hmm. shelter, and I need food. After I get that, then let me figure yeah. it out. Me or you would be running around freaking out, grabbing a newspaper. Right. Ah, I stand in the middle of the street. Yeah. No, they think like survivors. Money, shelter, food. Then I'll figure it right. out. Right. Well, like, okay, there was a recent episode about a poisoner. A guy who went to Alcatraz because he poisoned his entire high school class. Oh, cool. The only reason they uncover him is because his compulsion is he can't stand bullies. But he kills bullies with his poison. He's yeah, working. but the problem is you're killing a whole bunch of people yeah. at the same Well, time. no, like, for example, in the, in the opening of that episode, he's working as a bartender at a club, and he oh. comes across a couple of guys who are just, like, treat him really badly and bu- are bullying him. Mm-hmm. So he takes some cyanide pellets he put together, crushes them, puts them in their martinis, and serves them up. The only reason that the, the team finds out is because somebody YouTubes it. Oh. YouTubes the people dying, and they find out that he's been living for months. See, there you go. So that works. Because this is what a criminal would think. Me and you, if we got sent 50 years ahead, what would we be thinking of? Oh my God. 
Or well, where friends are dead. Well, where is everybody? A criminal would say, everybody who knew me yeah. is dead, <laughs> so I can start over and nobody knows me. That's why I could get into that premise, because they probably right. wouldn't have any problem reintegrating themselves into mm-hmm. society. Criminals are pretty much criminals no matter where you right. go. <laughs> now, another show, and I've only watched two episodes so far, mm-hmm. because only three have aired, that I really have been intrigued by is Awake. I haven't watched that yet. It's created by Kyle Killen. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Kyle Killen is the guy who created Lone Star. Oh, the infamous Lone the Star. The infamous Lone which Star. Which was at one episode. So, yes, and then pulled <laughs> off the air. I give the guy a lot of heart for coming yeah. back and creating... I don't know Apparently, if I... He got an offer from one of the cable networks and said, no, I don't want to do a cable show. I want to reach the widest possible audience. So he comes up with Awake. It was formerly titled R.E.M. It is about a police detective. At the very Mm -hmm. beginning of the first episode, police detective is driving with his family, gets into a car accident. Now, here's where the things get hinky. He wakes up, and either his son or his wife died in that car accident. Mm-hmm. There's two realities he's living in. When he's awake in the quote-unquote real world, one of them is alive. But when he goes to bed, closes his eyes, he wakes up in the other world. Okay. Where the other one is alive and the other one is dead. So he doesn't know which one is real, real. and which one yeah. is imaginary. Or are they both imaginary? Are they both imaginary? Or are they both real? Exactly. And he's just returned to the Force. The Force has required him to be seen by... Uh, psychologist. He has two different psychologists trying to convince him that this is the, the real reality. Okay. It's obvious that Killen put a lot of thought into this show because there are visual cues in terms of the color schemes of each world that make it clear which world he's which in at one any you're one in. time. Oh, okay. it, it's very easy to keep track of which world that, you, that he's in. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see where this is going to go. Because you have B.D. Wong in one universe trying to convince him. And each one is using like really intelligent things and try to explain which one is the real one. The question is, where are they going to go? And they, the other psychologist, now I know this, is played by Cherry Jones, yes. who was on 24, played yes. president. She's very good. See, I like her as an actress. If I, and B.D. Wong is good, too. Yeah, He's and, always and good. in Wikipedia, somebody actually broke it down. Wow. Red reality, green reality. Green reality. Well, that's like, whatchamacallit, um... One of our favorite shows, yeah. Fringe, where in the opening credits, depending on the color scheme, uh, you can tell uh, which, which reality, world you're in. Right, yeah. they have the orange, they have the blue, and they have the red. That tells you which dimension you're in. So far, it's been really good. The weakest point, unlike the other shows that we've talked about in this episode, the actual cop thing. Because the thing is, is that he has a case in each reality, but there's bleed over. Okay. So he'll see something in one reality mm. that will indicate a clue in the other reality. Okay. And vice versa. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I don't know if it's going to survive very long. You think it's too radical a concept it, it, that most people won't wrap their heads around it? To be fair, the way Gillen has presented it makes it very clear to understand. Okay. It's just, I don't know if people are willing to put up. We're gonna right, out. to stay with it long right. enough to find out what's going on. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Which is always a gamble with these yeah. type of shows. Is your audience going to stick around long enough to see the eventual solution exactly. with it, or are they going to feel they're just getting jerked around every now, week? Now, they've also introduced this over-arc where there was apparently a reason the accident wasn't an accident that mm-hmm. somebody arranged this. Somebody tried trying to kill him. Yeah, and that's just developing, but we'll see where that goes. Okay. What other shows have... I just haven't watched it, not because I, I always mm-hmm. get this every time, because somebody asks me this, they say, oh, well, what did you think of Awaken? I said, well, I mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet. Well, why don't you like it? Well, it's not that I haven't liked it, but I just haven't got a chance to watch it yet between all the other shit I watch Mm -hmm. and writing books and having a life and socializing I can't watch everything on TV I figure that I'll either catch it in reruns or I don't know how well it's doing 
in the ratings. I'm certainly interested in watching it. Here we go, it. Brave Viewed World. I just want to see um, if there's anything else we haven't talked about. It's not that I don't want to watch it. It's just I haven't had a chance to watch it right. yet. And when I do, you will know what I think about it. But as per what you said, I've only heard good things about it. I haven't heard anything bad about it. So I am looking mm-hmm. forward to a chance for watching it. Let me ask you something, because yeah, I know you were really into this show, even though I never got past the first season or two. Uh, oh, Chuck? Chuck, did you think it was brought to a satisfactory conclusion? I have seen the last couple of episodes. I've kind of lost track. I was watching Chuck and Grimm for a couple of weeks. Never seen Grimm. Grimm? Not in... The basic problem with Grimm, and it was funny, because this is one of the two shows, because it seems like that was their big obsession this year, was fairy tales. There was Grimm, and there was Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time, I didn't get past the pilot. Really? Now, say, what's the point in time I like? Even though poor Jennifer Morris did. Is she always doomed to be yeah. on shows where she's not the hot chick? Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't get my head around Once Upon a Time. I think part of it was just that the Morrison character was such a downer. Yeah. And she always plays these... And I don't know... She's if always got sad puppy face. I don't know if it's because of the way her mouth is shaped, but even when she smiles, she doesn't look like she's mm-hmm. having a good time, which is very rare. But yeah, she always has that hangdog look on her face like she's going... Going for yeah. a pap smear or something. And Grimm was an interesting concept. The idea was that the main character was the latest heritage of Grimm's who were people who hunted down fairy tale monsters. Mm-hmm. And he was working as a police detective in Portland. The last Grimm, which is his aunt, dies and he gets all the powers. The problem was the main character was the character who was the most boring. And mm, I could okay. never get behind this character. He had a sidekick who was a big bad wolf, who was actually a lot more fun. But it was one of these things I forgot to tape one episode, both Chuck and Grimm, and I just had no interest in picking them back up. Yeah, that's what it is with this TV season. Mm -hmm. There are shows that I've just let fall off the radar, and it's not even that I don't even like them anymore. It's just, I'm just not interested. The show just doesn't hold my interest anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And that's the best way that I can explain it. Grimm, for some reason, I just never was interested in And I kind of know what it is, is that yeah. I'm really kind of tired of the whole paranormal investigator thing about, oh, well, they live in a secret world that we need. Can I also of- say that the other thing kind of drew me out of the river mm-hmm. was every time the producer showed up, because that was the same guy who played Harry Dresden. Yeah, yeah. The very underrated Dresden Files mm-hmm. TV show that lasts only a season on uh, sci-fi. Right. Well, see, that's another thing. Dresden Files. Everybody, oh man, you gotta see the Dresden Files. I never got into that either. Okay. I saw a couple of them, and I even have a friend of mine, he won't talk to me because I won't read the books. And he's oh, the like, books he's, are dreadful. He's like a major fan of the books. Yeah, I will tell you right up front that the books are awful. Oh, okay, well thank you. The problem with the books is that it was obvious to me that Jim Butcher was writing them as pitches for a TV as show. As pitches for a TV show, okay. Yeah. Which is why I like the TV show so much, because of course... Because it's was, supposed to be a yeah, TV show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love the TV show. The TV show was great. The other major trend this year was we want some of the Mad Men money, too. Oh, Because we had the Playboy Club and NBC, and on ABC we had Pan Am. I think the Playboy Club... Three missed, episodes. Missed the record that set by Lone Star yeah. by two episodes. Yep. I think they made it to three. I watched Pan Am... The first yep. episode because it had Christina mm-hmm. Ricci in it. And yep. hey, Christina Ricci in a Pan Am yep. stewardess uniform, I'm there. But you know when I knew that they didn't get what they were supposed to be doing? At the end of the first episode, they have Christina Ricci and the other stewardesses, it's right. five of them, and they're doing that slow motion walk yeah. through the airport to the airplane. And you know what the song that they were walking to, they were playing? 
Matt the Knife. This the, is a song about a serial killer. The but. fundamental problem with both of those shows was that they wanted to be a show where the main selling point was... They were period pieces. The main selling point of Mad Men is that because of the period the series is set in, they can indulge in sexist behavior and right. racist behavior. Right. And you can address these issues. Right. On. But... Because these were broadcast shows, and Pan Am was a show that seemed to be ripe with ways to address sexism. Especially following Desperate Housewives, which was a good time slot for it, because they already had their Desperate Wives out audience, right. and they were hoping it was going to bleed over. Which I thought it would, too. And it's on 10 o'clock, well, so they can deal... they gave two episodes. Unlike GBC or whatever, the thing Well, they that... gave it more. Pan Am was on longer than No, that. Pan Am was but I gave it two. Oh, two you gave episodes. it two. Okay, yeah. JBC, I got seven minutes into, and said... GCB. GCB, and I said, no. Even with Kristen Chenoweth? Yeah. We like yeah. Kristen we Chenoweth. Know, we love Kristen. But you know what cracks me up? I'm going to tell you. I sat through the first episode. Yeah. But you know what? I had a laugh. Because even with five-inch heels, Kristen Chenoweth is still the yeah. smallest person on the that one scene at the beginning of the, of the pilot where she has to get on the box to look out the window. She gets on a stepladder. Oh, God. She in four-inch heels, and she still has got yes. a pair of... She's still oh, the, that cracked me up. She's still the smallest person on the show. And I love the fact that she's supposed to be a contemporary of the main character, but it's so obvious she's not. Well, they make reference that she's had work. But you're right. If they're all supposed to went to high school together, yeah. but then I get the feeling that her character, due to her promiscuous nature, yeah. she probably was one of these people that indulged in a lot of wild sex and drugs yeah. and that when she was younger. And then she got religion. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, but even with Kristen Chenoweth, it's not work. Nah. I sat through the first episode that kept cracking me yeah. up. Oh, my God, how tall is Kristen Chenoweth? Like three feet tall? <laughs> I think the other thing that we saw, we saw a couple of attempts to create something before something else goes away. Yeah. I'm thinking particularly of The Finder. Yeah, which you Which ex- was designed, I think, specifically to take over the slot that Bones is going to vacate. Which you explained the premise to me, and I, so this guy's okay. special talent is he finds things. The premise is you have... What? I don't get why that should interest me. Yeah. So what? I can find things too. Ask me to find something right now. I'll go find mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you want me to go find you a spoon? Okay. I'll go find a spoon. Jeff Stoltz plays a former. Um, you want me to go mil- find a pair of pants? I'll go find that. <laughs> He's a former government man who, for some unspecified reason, suffers brain damage. What do you want me to find? The way the brain damage manifests itself is that he becomes this kind of OCD character who has the compulsion that when he's asked to find something, he has to find it, no matter how impossible or strange it is. He gets this reputation, people come to him to find really impossible things. Well, so does a kid in an Easter egg hunt. You, you tell know. him look for Easter, he has a compulsion to he's find that. He's kind of babysat by his lawyer, played by Michael Clark Duncan, who has a foster kid who is a gypsy, played by Maddie Hansen. And, of course, there is a hot chica who is is a federal marshal who helps the finder sometimes find things. Okay. The show is just all quirk. I feel and, myself uh, going yeah. to sleep even if you describe the characters. First off, it's one of these shows, kind of like Bones, one of the reasons why I could not stand Bones is that these people don't talk like real people do. There's this one exchange where they're trying to get a fugitive who's in a cockfighting ring. It, this place is the sick place in the Key West. The hot chica girl comes out and she can't do it, I can't do it. I can't find him, I can't find him. The finder goes, oh, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And he gets up and goes inside, and she turns to Michael Clark and says, How can he find something? I, I couldn't. I'm the hot chick. And of course, I think my nominee for the most useless show. Barrett? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. Oh, my God. Narrowly Rob. beating out Rob, my, my nominee for the most useless show 
ever on this season. What? Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. The animated series. Yeah. Who at this late date thought that anybody would be interested in seeing a Napoleon? But as far as I'm concerned, except for The Simpsons, the whole Sunday night slate of shows, I have no interest in Family Guy. The only time I ever watch Family Guy, and thank God, is that when you turn yeah. on the DVR, because I have direct TV, mm -hmm. folks, right. it gives you a description of the show. Right. If it's a Brian and Stewie episode, I'll watch it. Other than that, I have no interest in it. I have no interest in American Dad. Yeah. I have no interest in the Cleveland show. I have no interest in none of that crap. I'm sorry. Don't ask me what I think about it. Don't ask me anything about that, folks. And I'll say this much. I despise those shows. I am not looking forward to the revamp Flintstones that we're oh. getting. Seth MacFarlane is doing Do at all. Do you think that this is what Fox is going to try to groom as the thing to replace The Simpsons when it goes away next year? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Now, I give Seth MacFarlane a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. As you know, I reward success no matter right. how bad the product is. This guy is going to own Fox's whole Sunday Sunday night, night lineup. And that's not an easy thing to pull off. What it says to me is that there are a lot of people in this country that their idea of humor is way yes. different from mine. If you think the Cleveland show is funny, well, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Your idea of humor is a lot different from mine yeah. because I find nothing at all funny about it. Although I will say this, Mm -hmm. The Cleveland show is marginally better than Family Guy, but marginally. Yes. <laughs> kind of like the way I just said Rob is marginally better than Napoleon Dynamite. Only, only in the sense was that they took the least likely character for his own spinoff yeah. and they made it work. Because mm -hmm. see, me, I would have went with Quagmire. But they took Cleveland, yeah. who was a very minor character on Family Guy, and they mm -hmm. put him in his own show. And it works. If that means anything yeah. in a Seth MacFarlane universe. I give him credit for that. But otherwise, I've got, nah. There's nothing there. Please leave my childhood so alone. So why has this season spun so out of control? Desperation? Uh, apathy? I like what you made about Playboy Club mm -hmm. and Pan Am, whereas the networks are chasing after whatever works for somebody else. Yeah. Like, for instance, we're going to get elementary. Oh, don't get me started. On which has to be the most blatant. And I'm so glad what? that the BBC yeah. told CBS, yeah. we're going to watch your ass. And if yeah. there's the least little thing that looked like you're in the fridge, we're going to sue the shit out of you. Because that is such a blatant. Oh, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, let's do that. And you want to insult my intelligence by yeah. saying that, yeah, well, we came up with this totally independent of the show. Yeah, right. You Bullshit. maybe would have gotten away with it if you didn't go and talk to Mark. Gaddis and Stephen Moffat beforehand. Yeah. Do they really think that people believe? Oh, yeah, we came up with this totally. And, and you know what's okay. You think cast has Sherlock. I know they don't know and don't care. We know that Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou. Yeah, I can't, wait, I can't stand. That stinks to me. They said, well, since they're making all this noise about the lawsuit now, yeah. let's change Watson so this way because we'll see. It's nothing like but yours. But you know, within the first season, they're going to have quote unquote sexual tension. Well, of course. It's going to turn into moonlighting. Yeah. Tom, you and I both know that. It just pisses me off. So to no end. Oh, man, please. Give me a break already. Elementary. Elementary. Yeah. But again, they see what happens. Like you should go back to set. They saw Mad Men. They said, oh, okay, well, let's do something like that. But it didn't work on Mad Men. They can get away with a lot of things. I have a friend of mine, when I told him, I said, well, I watch Mad Men. Well, why do you watch that? It's got nothing about black people. Well, of course not. It's a show about advertising executives yeah. in the 50s. There weren't a lot of blacks in exactly. there. Oh, well, you shouldn't. Well, why do you well, I watch it because it's an interesting show. And it is interesting. And they do things on that show. They explore the culture that was going on there, which is why everybody smokes like a chimney. They're drinking from dawn to dust. But that's what people did mm -hmm. back then. I'm sorry. You have to put things in its context. 
But see, the Playboy Club couldn't do that. And why would you have a the show Playboy about the Club? Playboy Club when you can't show the sex? The Playboy Club wanted to be what Smash is to me. Okay. It wanted to be a dumb, stupid soap opera. Which is what it should have been, yeah. Which is what it should have been, but because it was using Mad Men as the template, it wanted to be meaningful as well. It wasn't even Mad Men isn't meaningful, but... No, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm just pulling your check. But if you're going to do a period show, and again, in the Playboy Club, well, of course, they can't show people smoking because on network TV, you can't show people smoking anymore. Same thing in Pan Am. That's not realistic because back then, everybody smoked. You had everybody from 6 to 60. Mm -hmm. They smoking cigarettes, which is why they do it on Mad Men. Right. But they are able to show these things. They are able to show the sexism at the time. Yes, there's certain things women didn't do. Women did this. Women did that. But network TV, oh, well, we want to see women that are empowered. Well, I'm sorry. They weren't empowered yeah. back then. And that's what they tried to turn the Playboy Club into. They tried to turn it into a show about female empowerment. No, it's a show about women walking around in bunny costumes. Yes, exactly. The soap opera value. Right. This is what we want to see. A bunch of women walking around in bunny costumes. Mm-hmm. We don't care about female empowerment. Yeah. Getting back to Smash. I don't want to see Catherine McPhee and Megan Hilty bonding. I recognize it for what it is. It's a dumb, stupid soap opera. So show me the creepy British producer guy making a pass at Catherine McPhee. Fee while he's sleeping with Megan Hill. You know what you do? You do a TV version of Showgirl. See, Smash is, is, is not that far a, off. Say, yeah. And, and, okay. And I think the producers recognized it because at the very beginning, the first two episodes, there was this storyline mm-hmm. about Deborah Messing and her husband want to adopt a second child, want to adopt a second child. And they put a lot of weight on this. And then it was never mentioned again because I think that the producers realized that's not what we want to see. We don't want to see Deborah Messing writing a letter to her yet unborn child that she's going to adopt from China. We want to see Deborah Messing being seduced by the guy who's playing Joe DiMaggio in the workshop of Marilyn the Musical. Let me tell you something. And going back to what we were talking about, yeah. one of our favorite shows, probably our favorite mm-hmm. show in recent yeah. memory, which we did a whole episode about, The Human Target. Yes. The Human Target worked because every week for an hour, we got this mini action movie right. with a guy and his assistants having these wild adventures, and it was fun for us to watch it. That right. is the word I want to emphasize, fun. Then you know what happened? They said, we're looking at the demographics and we don't have enough women watching this mm-hmm. show. We've got to get more women in this show. I'm not ragging on women. I'm getting to a yeah. point here, folks. And they said, well, we're not getting this demographic and we have to do this. And we have to cut the budget because we're doing... So we yeah. have to have them centralized. They gutted the show of everything that made it fun. Yes, exactly. And what did they give us? They gave us a target steaming mess. They took a show that was unique and gave us a show that was unlike unlo- like every a- single show on television. Exactly. And this is the problem that I think we're seeing with television. Every sitcom that you see on TV is just like the other yeah. sitcom. Except they, for Modern Family. Modern except Family. Except for Community. Except right. for Parks and Recreation. Which are totally unique, totally different, and are mm-hmm. funny. The thing I want to point out about the three that we, we just cited. All three have very similar kind of basis. I think all three of them were kind of inspired by The Office. Yeah. Where you have the cutaways to the interviews. However, they all have their own distinct identity. You have this one show that has went totally into surrealism. Community. They do episodes 
episodes with seven different time tracks yeah. where they have. Did you ever see that one where they flip the coin and the guy said, "Well, don't do that because if you do that, then you're going to create seven different alternate right. realities." And they follow each yes. one of the characters. You have that. You have Parks and Recreation, which actually goes someplace and has the characters develop. Yeah. Unlike The Office, mm-hmm. and does have a large cast of characters, but you keep track of them because they all have something right. to do. As far as the rest of the sitcoms that they have, they're totally worthless. Right. They're about nothing. They have characters who are there just to serve the needs of the plot. To waste our well, time. I mean, Whitney is the worst. Oh, yeah. These were characters surrounding the... You know, besides the fact that I think Whitney and her boyfriend were detestable people. And they say he's like that in real life. Yeah. They say that he's not a nice guy. And let's not forget one of the worst offenders of all. Why this poor girl subjected herself to this? Are you there, Chelsea? A show that is so worthless, they wouldn't even let the person it's based on play herself. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Now I've got a headache. <laughs> and poor Laura Prepon. Yeah. I know why she did it because the girl wants to work. Yes. And she's a wonderful actress. I wish her nothing but the best. And she is so much better than what they give her. A to lot do. of the people on that cast are so much better than what they're being given to do in that. Yeah. And the only person I think who deserves that hell. It's Chelsea Chelsea Handler, yeah. And I wish they had let her go ahead and play herself. If for no other reason, then that shit would have been canceled after three weeks. And then they could have hopefully put on something there worth the time the people to watch than that uh, but see how we're going on and we're just rattling off these things just off the top yeah. of our head this has been a terrible season there's not been anything and I, sadly I don't see any end in sight I don't have much hope for 2013 well see this is why I watch movies people say well you, you watch awful lot of movies well yeah I do because there's not much on exactly. TV that I want to watch to be honest with you why do you think we have all of these stations now that are popping the new one Me TV that's yeah. got all the old TV shows people rather watch Antenna. that Antenna TV TV, yeah. right? That's become such a hit in the last couple of months. Why? Because people would rather watch that. At least right. they know what they're getting. Exactly. Why do people watch a rerun of, okay, say the Brady Bunch for the hundredth time? Well, at least they know that's funny. And trust me, I never was much of a big Brady Bunch fan. Mm-hmm. But if you said, well, listen, here's an old episode of the Brady Bunch and here's, here's one of, episode of Whitney. Of Whitney. Which one do you want to watch? Well, give me the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Because I don't care if Whitney Cummings is hotter than any woman on that show. Yeah. I can't stand watch. That's the only reason I watched that pilot, but it was no. The porn star appeal has worn off. Though. Yeah, exactly. Now, if I see her stand up on Comedy Central or she shows up on one of the roles, right. I watch her because she is very funny when she does mm-hmm. it. But her sitcom, no, it's a totally worthless sitcom. It's got nothing funny in it. It's just... It, and this is in no way a critique of Crick Whitney Cummings as a person because I no. gotta give her credit being the star of one sitcom and the showrunner no. of the second. No, but unfortunately, again, and this is what I was talking about with Pan and what you heard one of the things they're planning for 2013. What? NBC has Sarah Silverman under contract. Yeah, you know why? Because they said, well, you know what? We got one dark-haired girl. We got one hot chick. We got one dark-haired hot chick with a foul mouth. But this is what I was about to say. They took the thing that made Whitney Cummins funny, and they won't let her do it. Right. I shudder at the thought of what a Sarah Silverman broadcast TV sitcom is going to be like. It's not going to be funny, because they're not going to let Sarah Silverman do what she does best, right. which is to be irreverent and profane yeah. and out there. And I know that there are some guys, in fact, recently Spias Christopher had posted that the Sarah Silverman show that was on Comedy Central mm-hmm. was coming out in a big box set. Somebody had mentioned that they didn't get Sarah Silverman. Part of the reason Sarah Silverman is so hot is because she is very, very wrong. Yeah. You know when I fell in love with Sarah Silverman? When? Folks, get your hands on a movie called The Way of the Gun with mm-hmm. Benicio Del Toro. Sarah Silverman has a scene at the beginning where she's cursing them out, where she's telling them how her boyfriend is going to come beat her up. Yeah. It is the most profane thing. 
You know how profane it is? It would make Richard Pryor on his best day blush <laughs> to hear the filth that comes yes. out of his chick's mouth. But it's funny. And some people just don't get Sarah Silverman. Right. That's okay. But Sarah Silverman most definitely is not made for network TV. And I think the saddest thing is throughout this hour and a half that we've been recording, we have cited a number of actors and actresses and comedians that have been featured in this season that we admire, that we love, that mm. we want to see more of. Just to, off the top of my head, we've talked about Whitney Cummings. We mm. talked about... Maria Zoe, Bella. Maria Bella. Zoe Deschanel. Stephen Lang. Mm. Christina Ricci. And Christina Ricci. People yeah. who are Christina Applegate. Christina Applegate. Maya Rudolph. Laura Prepon. Laura Prepon. But... We don't want to see that. It comes back to something that my friend Nick said about shit my dad said. Mm -hmm. When I told him, it's on one hand, this is a vile, vile comedy I can't stand. On the other hand, the world needs more Nicole Sullivan and Will Sasso in it. But okay. he, to which Nick said, do we really want Nicole Sullivan and Will Sasso to suffer just because we want to see more of them? But they could have fixed that show so yeah. easily. And I told you this, how yes. to fix it. Have the show be about Will Sasso and Nicole Sullivan. Mm -hmm. Make William Shatner a supporting character. Right. And get rid of the other Jerry son. Stein not Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Stiller him. Who? Jerry Stiller? The uh, guy that played William the son. William Shatner. Jerry Stiller him. I.E. Oh, yeah. Right. What they, you understand, you. Now you understand now why I Now I got it. you. Yeah, like what they did on The uh, King of Queens. On uh, The King of Queens. Right, exactly. Or that Seinfeld. Exactly, yeah. Make him a supporting character. He doesn't have to be the star, but have the stars be Nicole Sullivan, who I don't know what she was doing <laughs> before she got on that show. Yeah. If you thought she was hot on Mad TV, yeah. it wasn't nothing compared to how she looked mm. on that. That show, wow. And Will Sasso, these were two of the funniest people on Mad TV. Logically, in a just universe, any comedy you put them in should have been in yes. the top ten. What happened? They didn't utilize them. They regulated them to supporting characters. And as a result, the show sank like a stone. Yes, it did. It went for what, one season? Yeah, about one season. Yeah. I don't even know if it lasted a full 24 episodes. These people are being wasted. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, but it's true. And you would figure that any show with William Shatner, mm -hmm. Nicole Sullivan, will say, that show should have been in the top ten every week. But it wasn't funny. Yeah. And I don't know why this is such a hard concept to wrap your head around people. For a comedy show to succeed, it has to be funny. A bad drama can be a great comedy. Yes, it can. A bad comedy is just a tragedy. <laughs> Who said that? Me, I said that. What are you saying? <laughs> I'll go write that down. That is quote worthy. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, we have another show that sank like a stone. And I predict that this other one, Rob, if I could get a hold of Cheech Marin, I would seriously sit him down and say, yo, bro, really, why? Because it's a paycheck, man. Yeah, okay, well, listen. Of the two of us, you should be the one who should be saying that. No, wait a minute. I have no problem with seeing Cheech Marin in a situation comedy yeah. because oh, no. he is funny. But why would Rob Schneider is my cousin who is about as funny as that cousin? Okay, let's talk about Rob. Have we, we have made brief references to it. Okay. Rob plays a landscaper who somehow manages to convince... A woman who is, A, about 15 to 20 years younger than him, mm -hmm. B, about a foot and a half taller than him, and C, Latina, marry him. Well, right now we're in the realm of science yeah, fiction. Right. Yeah. The whole humor is about Rob now has to deal with her extended family. Right. Her mother and father, father played by Cheech Marin, her cousin, who is probably the funniest character in the entire show. Mm-hmm. Their grandmother and all. Again, it's another one of these, look at these people who are not you. They're really crazy. Aren't you glad you're not hanging out with them? Now, I would watch the show mm -hmm. for Cheech Marin. 
Right. And Cheech Marin has done good television mm -hmm. before. He was on the cop show, Nash Bridges, for yeah. seven years. He's funny. He's good. If they took Rob Schneider out the show, I would watch yeah. it. But I'm not watching it because I don't think Rob Schneider is funny. There's mm -hmm. only one thing I saw him in funny in my entire life, yeah. and that was Deuce Bigelow. Yeah. Now, that was a good movie, but that was because he was playing an actual character. He was actually acting in that right. movie. But everything else that I've seen him in, he's like Paulie Shore. I have never understood. Yeah. That should be an emo band name, the other douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a term I don't use yes. lightly. Paulie Shaw has to be the most unfunny human being I have ever seen in my life with Rob Schneider a close if second. If I may say a word or two in his defense. Certainly. Not, I'm going to say a word or two in Paulie Shaw's defense. Go I think right ahead. that as he got older, he's gained a certain distance. The Paulie Shore that I met back in the 90s, mm -hmm. I could not possibly want to hang out with. Okay. The Paulie Shore I saw a couple of years ago in that sitcom that he did for TBS. Oh, the reality show? The, it was never a reality show. That's oh, the okay. thing that I always found fascinating is that no one, not him, not his father, not his mother, nobody ever called it a reality show except oh, for okay. TBS itself, was a Paulie Shore who had grown up and had recognized the mistakes he made. Yeah. And I actually followed that show for the, okay. for the 12 episodes it was I on. actually heard it was very good. It was very I heard, good I heard because it was very, he was very unflinching about what he did in his mm. past, how he screwed up his life. That I respected. Okay. Paulie Shore, then, I will agree with. But if, let's say, Paulie Shore was announced as having a show today... You'd watch it. I'd at least watch the pilot because oh, okay. I'd want to see... What's our final summation? Besides, what a load of effing crap. Where did it go wrong? You're asking me. We saw a lot of shows that we like get cut. Mm -hmm. I predict that there's going to be more sitcoms. We're going to see more... Oh, no, we're going to get more reality shows. We're going to get more reality more shows, of course. Yeah. We're going to get more competition shows. As long as they don't cancel, what you've told me is in danger. Is I mean, no, the, the sing-off. Sing yeah. Well, okay, the sing-off's problem. And we love the sing-off. We've talked about oh, it before. Oh, man, the the first two seasons of The Sing-Off, they did in that sweet spot between the November sweeps and the February sweeps. Right. Generally, from the, the holiday season, starting from Thanksgiving to Christmas, mm -hmm. where there's not a lot of new programming. They moved it up to September this year. They expanded it out from four episodes. It was six, to, to, no, six it was, or eight? Was it? it was eight. Because remember, they had that extra Christmas yeah. episode. So I think they actually extended yeah. it to 12 episodes. Yeah. Because they had that one. Yeah. It wasn't part of the competition. Right. It was just a special right. Christmas episode. Yeah. Where he sang Christmas songs. By putting it up in September, they put it in direct opposition with Dancing with the Stars. And I love the fact that reality shows don't have seasons anymore. Although they'll keep saying they have seasons. But it's just like, well, we have a winter season and a fall season. Yeah. So they were up against Dancing with the Stars, which is automatically a mistake. Yeah, and on top of that, they were up against The X Factor mm -hmm. and the tail end of their show. That was their mistake, was moving it from a place where nothing was going on and putting it in a place where everything where is Where everything going is going on, right. Even Dancing with the Stars yeah. is in danger now. Mm -hmm. They're talking about the ratings are falling off a little bit because it's kind of like running its course. They've already ran through all the B actors. Yeah. They've ran through the C. Now to get to the D and the E, the yeah. really obscure people. Well, what fascinates <laughs> me are the people who are like, for example, I'm a big Adam Carolla fan. Mm -hmm. And he was on Dancing with the Stars, and now he was on Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. And you get these celebrities now who make the rounds of several of these yeah. shows. Yeah. Every year. Yeah, they just do the rounds of all of it, and that's how they're keeping their career going. That's what we're going to see more. We're going to see more reality but I think the, the thing that killed this season was, I don't think anybody had an original thought in his head. And the, the few shows that did seem to have an idea of something 
different they wanted to do, like Person of Interest, like Awake, are the shows that we're following. Everybody wanted their own uh, Mad Men. Still Chasing Lost, which is why we had the Yeah, river. they're still Chasing Lost. Everybody wants another CSI or another... I think there's fatigue going in. Well, what, what was Prime Suspect? If Prime Suspect wasn't just another attempt to do CSI or another attempt to do uh, Law & Order. Because you figure those shows have got to be going soon. Uh, we're down to yeah. SVU, right? Yeah, SVU. is the last a, one. It's the last one that's still going on. Yeah, Law & Order. Yeah, you're right. And once that goes, I think as long as Mariska Hargitay hangs in there, yeah. I think they're going to keep it going. I think when she says, okay, fellas, I'm done, then they're going right. to cancel it. But I think as long as she keeps hanging in there, they're going to keep I on doing it. I just have a very dim view for 2013. I think they're going to do it. I think that CSI, I'm kind of surprised CSI is because it's still hanging in there as yeah. long as it is. The way that the CBS seems to, every time they have a hit, <clears throat> they have to try to create a franchise around it. But they do the James Bond thing every couple of years because mm-hmm. after William Peterson left, we they had, had uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne and then they did Ted Danson. Who so, claims, yeah. by the way, that his character is Sam Malone. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It would be worth it just if they would do an episode seeing how Sam Malone becomes a CSI yes. investigator. But yeah, but they're doing the James Bond thing to invigorate the franchise. Right. Every time somebody... They say, okay, didn't, well, didn't have a turnover to CSI New York? Yeah, they brought in Taylor Ward. To she replace Melina's... Melina Right. The girl who should have played yes, Electro. exactly. Yeah, they brought her in. So yeah, they do that thing, keep the franchise but going. But it's funny how like, CSI seems to... Although, from what I understand, Miami is at the end of its days. Okay. But CSI's a uh, good franchise seems to be continuing on. But then they well, you like- know what it is also, and let me tell you, CSI like Law and Order. I want to mm-hmm. tell you why they're, they're good comfort TV. It's the TV equivalent of eating cheeseburger mm-hmm. and fries. Right. You know what you're getting. You don't have to think too much about right. what you're eating because it's a cheeseburger and fries. CSI and Law and Order, they're just like that. You know going in what's going to happen, right? And that's what you want. Don't want to have to chew too hard. Right. It's easily digestible. It passes through the colon very right. swiftly. Yeah, it's good comfort TV, which is why it's been on for right. so long. And then they tried it with other things, though. NCIS or NCIS, yeah. Has successfully spawned. NCIS Los Angeles. But Criminal Minds has not. I don't know. I've never seen an episode of Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds, I watched one episode. That was because Tim Curry was in it. Okay. They did do a spinoff. They did do one with, with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker that and sank like, Garofalo. That sank that like a sank stone. stone. yeah. Yeah. I think that barely hung on for a season. You notice what they're doing now? What? All the networks have gotten hit. You know when they used to officially announce, well... We're canceling the show. They did it with House of Houses. Of course, it's yeah. such a high-profile show. But you notice a lot of shows, they never tell you it's canceled. I swore that Breaking Bad had been canceled, to be honest, until they started announcing, hey, guess what? It's coming back with Megan Mullally. Because they probably didn't know if it was coming back. Uh. But there's a lot of shows that they just go away and they never say, like they used to. They used to, okay, well, this has been canceled. But now... To put a little PS on this episode, which is getting a little bit long, but I want to mention this. Netflix, a very interesting thing happened a while back, a February of this year. About a thousand or so movies Mm -hmm. and TV shows went away on Netflix because their contract with stars was up. Right, right. So what Netflix is doing now is getting into original programming. Like Lily Hammer, I think, is already Lily Hammer, I haven't watched it yet, but I am going to watch because I have Netflix, and I promise that when you and I get together, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a review of it so people will know, because it's got from The Sopranos. Okay. uh, Who plays for Bruce Springsteen? Oh, Little Steven. Little 
Lil Steven, right. Yeah, he's starring on this. So I've been wanting to watch it because I'm a big fan of Lil Steven. Right. But also, they're bringing back, uh, I know it's a favorite of a lot of Arrested you guys. Yeah, I, for the life of me, I never understood the appeal of this show. But they're bringing it back. There have been rumors. I have no idea if this is true or not. Don't take me at mm-hmm. my word. But I hear there's a chance Firefly. They might be even bringing Firefly. I, I doubt that. I doubt it too. But do you think that this could be a possible trend that's going to happen that a lot of these shows... It's a new because, avenue. Because they said that Terra Nova might be picked up. Now that I know for sure I heard. So you think that this is going to be a thing now that it's okay. A lot of these shows are going to be going to well, net. Let's be honest. The bulk of the revenue stream for television these days is through DVD sales. Right. So why not just go directly to the DVD provider? Because you figure, let's see, Lily Hammer goes on for 13 episodes. Netflix then puts out a box set. People like my mother, who that's what she does with her DVD player. This is what she does. She goes through a process where she buys a TV show on DVD. She watches it. She then packs it up, mm-hmm. goes back to FYE, turns it in for store credit, mm-hmm. buys another mm. goes home watches that and the whole cycle continues that's smart your mother's a so genius the <laughs> point being is that my mother somewhere down the line is going to be looking for something she likes those kind of like those usa shows like well, what's the one with the federal marshal who's in the witness protection program uh, in plain sight in plain sight that, that's she loves that show okay it's psych and, and psych she loves those kind of shows so Maybe something like Lily Hammer, which, if I remember correctly, it's a gangster who's found for some reason. In- it's pretty much the same plot of My Blue Heaven with okay. Steve Martin. Remember, a gangster yeah. put in the witness protection program, and he's sent out to the middle of Idaho. Okay. That's what I get is pretty much is okay. the plot of the thing. So maybe she'll pick up the DVD set. Right. Because she wants to watch something new. And I think it makes sense. And what's more, it gives creators another option. Because that's what I would do if I had a show on, like, Fox. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, well, we're going to cancel you. Well, in an hour, I'm on the phone to right. FX or Showtime or HBO. Hey, yeah. listen, you want to pick up my show? Well, I'll cut the budget for such and such, but if the ratings pick back up, could yeah. you pick? And make a deal with them. Not AMC, though. Why not AMC? Because if AMC picks up Terra Nova, we're going to have a show about dinosaurs. With, with no dinosaurs, yeah. Tell me, yeah. <laughs> now, let me get this straight. You want me to do a dinosaur show, but you don't want me to show dinosaurs. That's right. <laughs> I see. Can't you just see their shadows every once in a while? Yeah, yeah. That's it, I guess. On that note, once our prerequisite AMC bashing. They have been showing zombies, though. Because okay. uh, I've still been watching The Walking Dead. I've still been keeping an eye on it. They're going to have the season finale. Right. And that looks like they've been saving all their money for one big zombie attack. Because all of our main characters are in this farmhouse. And it looks like it's going to be a whole right. Night of the Living Dead that, scenario okay. where all the zombies are going to attack. And well, I, they've already hired the governor. What? In the comic series, perhaps the most popular storyline involved Rick and his group mm-hmm. coming across a federal prison okay. that a bunch of people had taken refuge in. This federal prison is run by a character known as the Governor, and terrible things happen within this prison. And apparently the, the present producers have decided that maybe not this season, but next season, mm-hmm. They're going to do that storyline. Yeah, because they got to get off this yeah. damn farm. Because all this season, this whole season, yeah. they've been on this one farm. David Morrison is going to be playing oh, okay, cool. the governor. Cool. Anyway, time for the administrative? Yeah, I guess so. Let's do the administrative. Okay. Whether you love us, whether you hate us, whether you want to say that you would watch Zoe Deschanel in a stupid sitcom. Listen, or- if you want to watch Zoe Deschanel, even a movie, and I saw her in the other night, and it was a lot better than I yeah. thought. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I loved her in Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Guy. 
That was a lot better. Most deaf. Yeah. You know what I love about most deaf? What? This is a guy who sounds like he's drunk out of his mind, yes. but yet you can still understand mm -hmm. everything he says. Or watch that, or even the movie that she did, which to me is a lot funnier than most comedy. The M. Night Shyamalan picture. Oh, oh, The Happening? The Happening, yeah. Where the air is killing people? <laughs> the trees. The trees. Anyway, there's a number of ways you can reach us. You can send us an email at betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth-2.net. It's also where you can send the receipts for your donations to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org so you can force me to watch more Brian De Palma films as part of the BITD Challenge. Come on, it's tax deductible, you'll be doing a good thing, you'll be helping people out, and... You get to hear me suffer. What's going to be our first commentary? Have you oh, decided well, no, that we, yet? We have to do the, the director's court first. They have to get up to 25. Okay. 25 donations. Then we'll do the director's court. Then, I thought we agreed that it was going to be Phantom of Paradise, then Scarface. Okay. Cool. Hey, okay. listen. I, I follow where you lead on this one. You can join our message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com, where you can find news of our various meetups that we're planning in the month of May. You can join our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook. Type in Better in the Dark, pull up a chair, and join in the fun, where you'll see your various Better in the Dark peers talking movies, plus you'll be seeing new blog posts by Derek, new blog posts by myself, by Mark Bosquet, whose Atomic Anxiety is updated several times a day, it seems. Yeah. Somebody actually asked him, they said, do you have a real job? Where you're, you're, uh, who was it? Joe Magro, yeah. my buddy Joe Magro said, right. he said, let me ask you a question. Do you have a real job? Yes. you get paid? <laughs> you know? Because he puts two, two or three, three reviews yeah. a day he puts up there. Yeah. Derek has several vlogs you can follow, including the Derek Ferguson Theater. Yep. I got Blood Dylan. and Ink. Blood and Ink and Dylan. And Dylan. I have a couple of blogs that you can follow, including Damn Your Eyes, Damn Your Ears. Ten statements about. Sing-along scriptures where I bang on about music. Mm -hmm. And coming very, very soon. No, no, go ahead. I was about to say very, very soon. Be on the lookout for it. The Nocturne Travel Agency, where you learn more about the great, weird, bizarre universe that I've been writing about for the last, what, ten years? Really? I thought you Think just about started, it. started the book. Oh, oh, you're talking about these accounts. Oh, okay. Because yeah. remember, everything is connected. The Chimera Falls universe right, is part of right, this thing. Right, right, right. I forgot. I apologize. Okay. It's all right. We invite you to go to pulpworkspress.com, where the award-winning collection for Bullets for Dylan is still available for your ebook reader or has an actual book you can hold in your hand. A uh, dead tree book. <laughs> no. A book. A, a book, book for me. me. <laughs> what a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Also, the How the West Was Weird books are still available yep. there. How the West Was Weird, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And also, you can get exclusively as an ebook mm -hmm. How the West Was Weird Campfire Tales. There you go. Also, visit Pro Se Press. Yep. Tommy Hancock's pulp imprint, where you can purchase The Adventures of Fortune McCall. Yay! Part of the Sovereign City series of linked adventures. Which also includes Barry Reese's The Adventures of Lazarus Gray, and mm -hmm. he's done one, and he's got a Lazarus Gray novel right. that's going to be coming out soon. So, by all means, go to Prose Press their website and check out mm -hmm. all the goodness that's going on over there. Finally, in terms of our book stuff, you always should go and visit Airship 27, the home of Captain Ron Fortier. Salute! He has a lot of good books there, including most recently stuff like The Moon Man. 
Yeah, the Moon Man. If you don't know about the Moon Man, then I don't know where you. And our friend Joshua Reynolds put out a Jim Anthony scientific detective collection. Jim Anthony super detective. Super detective. I thought he was the, a scientific detective. No, super detective. The Mask of Terror. Kicking ass and flip flops, ladies and gentlemen. There's also the Rick Ruby files. Yeah, that's come out recently among the writers in it, Bobby Nash and right. Salmon. Now, if like me, you want to go back to the old style Private mm-hmm. Eye that had a 38 in his right. hip pocket and a fifth of scotch in bottom drawer of his desk. This is like a throwback to the classic Philip Marlowe, right. Richard right. Diamond, Sam Spade, those guys, and it's well worth getting. But you go to Airship 27, and the Moon Man was a guy, check out this gimmick. <laughs> he had a mask. Yeah. Basically, he has a fishbowl he yes. puts over his head. He's but, Mysterio as a superhero. But it's unbreakable yeah. glass. One way, he can see out, but nobody yeah. can see it. And he goes around in a tuxedo and a yeah. cape with this fishbowl on his head. So... <laughs> And then people ask me yeah. why I love the pole. Yes. Because you only got yes. characters like the Moon Man in the Okay, I don't know if this character is public domain or not, but I would love to one of these days write a Madame Fatal story. You ever heard oh, about this character? Yeah. That's the, transve- the transvestite crime fighter. Yeah, yeah. He dressed up as a little old lady, lady with a gun cane. Yeah, but- Madame Fatal. Yeah. God, that guy had issues. But all of these guys had issues. <laughs> Oh, man. Can you imagine a group session with the Moon Man, the Spider, Madame Fatal, the Avenger? The Black Bat. (laughs) Can you imagine a group therapy session with these guys? Oh, my God. Run by Doc Savage. Yes. Who needs to be on a couch himself. And and also (laughs) among the many, many wonderful pulpy books you can find on Airship 27 is Mystery Man and Woman Volume 2, which features the man called Mongrel, written by the man to my left. Derek Ferguson. That's right. And you will be having a character it's, in the upcoming it, Mystery Men. Depending on three. how it works out, it may be the first the Shadow Legion characters. Okay. Or maybe the, the first time we'll see a solo story about them. Okay. Which is the Nightbreaker, who mm-hmm. you've already met because you, you've read part of New Roads to Hell. I have that advantage, folks, and I have read it, and it is good. The man who appears and disappears at will. The man who wasn't there. The Nightbreaker. And it's as good as it sounds. And either following or preceding it will be, of course, Shadow Legion, right? New Roads to Hell, mm-hmm. the first in a series of books set in the... A trilogy. Originally, I'm setting up a trilogy, although Ron has said if I want to continue beyond that, I can. Okay. And we've discussed it in a previous episode how I'm hoping people will take up some of the other fictitious cities I've name-checked throughout the book. Okay. You'll meet the Nightbreaker, you'll meet the Ferryman, you'll meet the Black Talon, and, Mm. of course, Dreamcatcher. Okay. And, of course, our very, very naughty villain. Rose Red. Rose Red, yes. That's going to be coming soon, hopefully late this year or early next year. Okay. So that's it. We'll be on the lookout for it. Oh, and finally, of course, AlteredVisions.org. We're Doug Bookie's fan fiction site. Where Tom and I are still keeping our hands in. He's writing Avengers West Coast and I'm writing Avengers. Right. I guess that's it. That's it. Until next time, whether you love us, whether you hate us, don't watch those TV shows. <laughs> don't wait. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's right. Don't, Don't watch, watch those, those TV, TV shows. shows. Thank you very much. Good night and God bless. On March 21, 1963, Alcatraz officially closed. All the prisoners were transferred off the island. Only that's not what happened. Not at all. You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks to Alyssa Deeps and Derek of the Big Red Podcast, Scott and Chris of Two True Freaks, Mike of Earth2.net, 
Congratulations on 500 episodes, Mike. Eric Froman, of course, all the members of the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com. Better in the Dark almost bought a movie hat in Boston, but luckily its friend talked it out of it. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.behypen.com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that if Sam Malone is the head of CSI, it probably means Diane is a crusading serial killer. Do they really need those eight airline miles? Where are they going, New Jersey? <laughs>